Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, everybody. Come on, are you happy to be at church today? It's a great day. It really is. So thankful for our team, so thankful for all of our volunteers and our staff. And, you know, a lot, a lot of times we don't thank people. And can you just thank our sound crew that takes care of us? <laughs> Grateful for you guys, really, really am. You know, we're in this wonderful season as we come into the fall. Well, it's already fell, but we're already there. Snowing, that was great. And we're walking through, I, I don't think it's coincidental because I love fall and winter that we reached the New Testament when fall and winter was coming. It was like, hey, this is great. Jesus wanted to bless me with that. So here I am. So listen, I'm so excited for what God is speaking to us. He's saying to us through his word. And today I really believe that God wants to, I believe God wants to set some of you free from some, some ways of thinking today that maybe... You don't even know you think. And I believe that God wants to minister to us through the message of his son. And, and you know, anytime, the reality is this, Jesus is God's favorite subject. The cross of Jesus Christ is the Trinity's favorite subject because it is from the beginning of time that God started putting the pieces together to save us and to make a way for us to be saved, to have hope, and many times though we forget about kind of how everything has fallen into place. And so we've been on a journey over the last several months, six months as we walk through the Old Testament. And we, we've been looking at the Old Covenant. We've been looking at the purposes of God. And we're beginning now, that, now that we're in the New Testament and in, in the New Covenant, we're beginning to see the manifest purposes of God and so many people isolate events throughout Scripture and create a doctrine or a theology and they disconnect it from everything else. And you can't do that. The reality is this, is that the whole of the Bible is God's heart and His purpose and what He's doing to save mankind. So we're going to hear from the words of Jesus today. And Jesus, as He steps into the world, as we read part of His passage today from the book of Matthew he preaches, when, when he preaches, he's very intentional. He's very intentional. The writer, Matthew, is very intentional at capturing these words of Jesus because he's trying to make a point. He's trying to show that Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than the old covenant. He's going out of his way. Many people miss this. But I want you to understand that this book of, of Matthew that we're in today is written with the intent of showing that Jesus is also the long-awaited Messiah that the prophets spoke of. See, friends, humanity had a need that it could not satisfy anywhere else. And Jesus came on the scene to satisfy that. And we're going to end our time today taking communion together, but I, I, I'm believing that the Lord wants to speak to you in a very significant way. So Matthew's writing this book. He's connecting the dots. His audience are Jews. And in chapter two, we see how Matthew is going out of his way to show that Jesus is greater than Moses. 
We see in chapter 2 that Jesus as a child was spared from a massacre in Bethlehem by God giving Joseph a, a dream. To us, that seems very familiar. We're like, well, hello, it's Christmas, right? No. What we forget is that the Jews listening and reading had a different construct. So remember, Matthew is connecting the dots for Jews, showing that Jesus as a baby was spared in the very similar way to Moses as a child was spared. In the midst of Pharaoh's mass murder of Hebrew children. And so we saw, and they know that Moses was delivered. And now they read that Jesus was also delivered by, by providential act of God. And there's parallels in Matthew between Jesus and Moses. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 says, Seeing the crowds, he, meaning Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Even the wording, he went up on the mountain, it's the same wording he's used in Exodus 19 when Moses went up on the mountain to receive the law. They're very, very familiar with Moses. The listeners are very familiar with the law. They're very familiar that Moses spoke with authority. And it was, they're very familiar that the law was given to Moses. And that Moses received the law of God. But he's connecting the dots. Yes, Moses had authority, but now this authority of Jesus is different. This authority of Jesus is greater than. Leading up to Jesus, or um, <clears throat> yeah, leading up to Jesus in the old covenant, you would often say this when God spoke. You would often say, God said, or you would say, thus says the Lord. A prophet would say, the word of the Lord is this. But here's Jesus, he steps on the scene, and now he says, I say to you. He says this, you've heard it this way, but the real authority is here, I say it's this way. So you had Jesus now speaking with a new authority because he's accomplishing something that we must see today because I believe it's gonna be life-giving to you. So as we continue to grow in our understanding of God's purpose of the whole of the Bible, we need to understand what I'm about to say is so important and so many people miss it. The coming of Jesus is not separate from the covenant that God made with Abraham. It isn't separate from the law that God gave the people of Israel through Moses. It's not something else, it's not another idea. In fact, the promise to Abraham that we've been looking at and the law that was given to Moses were given by God with a completion date in mind. And look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17. He says, he's, he's talking to people. He's led them up on a hill. He's talking to, him, to them in Matthew 5, 17. He's, he knows the intent of their heart. He's telling them some things and, and they, he knows they're thinking, oh, are you trying to do away with, with the scriptures? And Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I didn't come to do away with them. I've not come to abolish them, but I'm here to fulfill them. So Jesus isn't disregarding the way things were set up. He's just saying those things were temporary. Those things were leading to me. And when, and, and when Jesus said he's come to fulfill, what he's meaning is this. He's come to bring the law and the role of prophets to their intended completion. And he's the one who's, who's doing it and who's going to do it. Now, now you have to wonder, okay, what is this law thing? Because there's something deeper going on here. 
The reality is that the laws were given by God to the people of, of Israel for them to obey. But you, you weren't, you reached perfection when you obeyed them perfectly. But here's the reality, the law that was given, the Ten Commandments, all the other different dietary laws, the law could not remove guilt or shame from a heart that felt guilt or shame. It could not cleanse you from, your, from the guilt and shame of your sin. Matter of fact, the law was given because humankind were already sinful. I want you to think about this for a moment. The law was given by God because mankind had already fallen short of the glory of God. The law, the Ten Commandments were, were given, were given, and as I've said before, did the thou shalt not lie, was it given by God so that to keep you from lying or was it given because you have already lied? Everyone since the Garden of Eden was born short of the glory of God, born not righteous, not one. And so the law is given, what for then? And here's the question, many people forget this and you miss it. We think the law is given to keep us from sinning. We think the law is given so if we obey it, we will be righteous. And we're going to get more into the law as we get into Romans and Galatians. So I'm not going to, I'm going to just touch it today and then we're going to move on. But the law was given to show that the people of Israel had fallen short of the righteousness of God. They were already guilty. They, they already were in, a, in, a, in an understanding that they do fall short. So when you get the Ten Commandments, it says, thou shalt not lie. And you think, what if I've already lied? Well, great question. You violated the law. Yeah, but I lied, be, I was before the law, doesn't matter. The law is the law of God. You violate it. And the, and the scripture says, if you violate one portion of it, you violate all of the law. So you're guilty of all of it. Isn't that encouraging? <laughs> and so why was the law given? I hope you've asked this question. We're going to get into this at, at another time. But Galatians says this, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions. Not to keep us from them. The law was added because transgressions already existed. So why would God give the law? God's law was given so that the sinfulness of mankind would be revealed to us. How are you supposed to know you fall short unless God shows you you fall short? How are you supposed to know you can't do it on your own unless you realize I can't do it on my own? The purpose of revealing our sin through God's law brings us, well, we, one, we come to the, to the end of I can't keep it. I'm trying. I can't do it. It's to bring us to the reality that we need a Savior who can do it for us. 
And this is what the whole story of God is about, that this completion of Jesus, Jesus stepping on the scene, Jesus healing the sick, Jesus telling people he can forgive his sins. This is the Jesus that was spoken, spoken about in Genesis 3. It says the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. This is Jesus as you saw in the wilderness. Jesus on Mount Sinai. Je Wait, this whole thing's about Jesus. Yes, it is. It's a completion. It's God working his purposes and his ways for all of mankind. And in his patience and his grace, he gives the law to show us we can't keep the law. And then when we go, I can't keep the law. He's like, you're right. Now what? What do we do, God? He goes, great question. I'll show you. So this law, the law of God was given that the Jews were living under so that they would, the sinfulness of man would be revealed. And the purpose of this was so that they would know they needed someone to save them. Jesus continues in Matthew 5, truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away. Now remember, I want you to think of the setting. He's Around, these people are around him. He's taking them out up on this hill. This is the Sermon on the Mount. They're all there and they love Jesus. Jesus is, is taking care of them. Jesus is reaching out to the, those on the fringe of society, those that the religious system has, has kicked out and, and mis, mistreated. And they're like, finally, someone here, finally a rabbi that loves us and is not using us for their own good. And then Jesus takes them up there and he says this. Until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And then he goes on to say, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, in other words, keeps these commandments, whoever doesn't keep all of them, everyone, Every dietary, listen, you want some good reading? Go jump back in Leviticus and read all the dietary, like this fabric with this fabric, to weave to this fabric. Don't do that or you'll die. Okay, great. This is why God's saying, no, do that. And, and so as, everything has to be met perfectly because it's God's law. So whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Then he says this, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, it's heavy. See, the law required absolute and total obedience from the people of Israel. But here's the reality, as he's telling them, listen, you better keep it perfectly, you better, and see these scribes and Pharisees who everyone looks up to, wow, they're so perfect. He says, you better, you better be better than them, or you're going to hell. And they're like, don't you love this guy? He's so encouraging to us. <laughs> and you can feel the weight of what they feel. And the reality is, Jesus is addressing something about the law. The reality of the law is that the law was given to reveal 
It was given to point the finger. Violation. Sinner. Failed. Not enough. You can't keep it, but I still require you to. So you realize the law was given to show us that we're not enough. It can't add life to you. It can only point out you're dead. And this last phrase is terrifying. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes, and you're, you're going to go to hell. You're never going to come to, you're never going to make it to heaven. I promise you this message ends good. I promise you. And think about the people listening. Probably they feel a bit like some of you today who have rehearsed in your mind and your life why you're not enough. And then you come to church to be encouraged and Jason says this stuff. And the people listening to Jesus are, they're shocked. And they're thinking, scribes and Pharisees, I, the spiritual elite, oh, the ones that everyone thinks, oh, they're holy. They, they're like, I, I don't measure up. People like you and I just, we're not elite, nothing special. Everybody could see that the Pharisees and the scribes seemed righteous. Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpasses theirs, unless your righteousness is more than theirs, and they, they did all the right stuff, they were so righteous, they added stuff to the law that wasn't even there. Unless you're better than them, you're not going to make it to heaven. So what kind of righteousness did the Pharisees have? Because if I got to do better, all right, let's figure it out. So Jesus later in Matthew explains their righteousness. He explains what righteousness they do have. Matthew 23, he says this, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. So Jesus now starts connecting. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Righteousness is not about behavior. It's not about what I do. I, I don't earn righteousness through my efforts. Jesus is, or if you're listening, you're thinking, oh, wait, I got to do good things and I got to make sure that I'm good on the inside. Jesus is saying your righteousness, in order for it to really count, your inside life needs to be perfect too. Jesus is pointing out that true righteousness doesn't come from what is seen it actually comes from what is not seen. And he goes on, he says, blind Pharisees in verse 26, first clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside will also will be clean. So a person's righteousness 
You mean it's not achieved by efforts? And how do I clean the inside? I, I can fake it out here. I can't reach my own heart. I can't reach my own brokenness. I can't reach my own depravity. What do I do? And then Jesus goes on to give a, a better picture of the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of bones of dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And Jesus is revealing that the law, the law that was given, it actually, you can use it to your advantage to to achieve a visual righteousness, but it's actually a facade. Jesus was revealing that the Pharisees and the scribes, their righteousness really wasn't real righteousness. So we go back to chapter five where Jesus is talking of the Sermon on the Mount and these people are trying to wrap their heads around. I want you to put yourself in their position for a moment having to exceed the righteousness, the works of the scribes and the Pharisees, and they're feeling more and more weighed down. They're feeling the weight of this even more from this man, Jesus. He, this must be right. He heals people. He's, you know, I, we, I guess we got to figure it out. And then as they're just trying to figure out how to do that, Jesus, he, he, he emerald legacies it. He takes it up a notch. I always think about food. It's weird. But anyway, <laughs> he takes it up a notch. And then he says this in Matthew 5, 22. Hey, uh, you've heard it said, you know, in those 10 commandments, you shall not murder. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Whoa. Can we just go back to the original one, Jesus? Just don't murder. I, okay. But what, what do you mean? He raises the bar. Then he goes on to say, verse 27, you've heard it. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. I say to you, and anyone or everyone who looks on a woman with lustful intent has already, already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus said, you've already violated the law. The whole religious system was based around the law, the keeping of the law. Jesus starts talking about the condition of our hearts. He starts almost bypassing the reality of keeping the law to actually, no, no, let's get under the hood of your life. And they've lived their whole life. No, 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 you don't, we don't have to do that. We can just look good on the outside. And Jesus said, I didn't come for the outside. I came for your inside. I came for your heart. 
Jesus starts talking now that righteousness isn't about what you do, it's about who you are on the inside. And so how terrifying, because if I was to ask you in here, hey, anybody ever got angry? Let, let's just be specific. If you have a sibling, he says brother, he's meaning a fellow Jew, fellow, but let's just go. Anybody ever been angry at your sibling? You just wanted to knock their block off. Come on, raise your hands. All right. Then you expand that. Anybody ever got angry ever in your life? Raise your hand. You're all guilty of violating. You are going to be punished the same as a murderer. Anyone ever had an unpure thought? Anybody ever had a carnal thought? Yeah, don't raise your hand. It's fine. <laughs> and so what Jesus does is he, he lays it out. It's hopeless. None of us are enough. That's right. None of us are enough. He levels the playing field with the reality that all have fallen short of the righteousness of God. And what Jesus is saying and what, what Casey is making, he's explaining why he came. He's explaining that a person's right standing with God can never be achieved by human efforts. Jesus isn't demanding more righteous acts by human efforts. He's exposing that righteousness cannot be achieved by what you do. And then for anybody who was listening to him, thought, well, yes, it can. See, I'm doing it. He goes, okay, let's look at your heart. You ever had a bad thought? You ever been angry? You've, you have violated the law by your anger, by your lust, by your greed. You violated the law. You are guilty and deserve hell. And what Jesus is doing is he's poking holes in their and our so-called righteousness. When Jesus is talking about the righteousness that needs to exceed or be greater than the scribes and Pharisees, he's not talking about outworking them. He's not telling you, you better work harder, you better do better. And Jesus is listing, he's talking about achieving righteousness from the inside, people's hearts, all the way out to the, to the outside. Everyone there knows this is impossible. This is impossible. Everyone knows it's impossible not to have a carnal thought. Everyone knows it's impossible not to get angry your whole life. You, you ever, never... You cannot violate the law ever. And according to Jesus, if you don't do everything perfect, every iota, every dot, you're going to hell. And what Jesus is exposing 
is the reality that we humans do not possess what God demands from us in order to be in right standing with him. We don't possess it. None of us do. We try. We try because we're human. That's what we do. We try to check our righteous meter based off of our list. All right, I'm good. But you never possessed the ability to be righteous. You were born in violation of the law of God deserving death. How in the world can you achieve something that's unachievable? And what Jesus is showing us today, and I believe he's speaking to us today, that he does not want us to think for one moment that we keep our right standing with God before him based off of our efforts. So many people think that I stand before God in right standing, in righteousness, based off of what I did to get here. You did nothing to get there. And then we think, yes, but, but, I, but I can keep it here. How do you keep something that you didn't earn in the first place? It is a gift totally by grace that you are made righteous, not because of your efforts, but because of the love of Jesus Christ. You were made righteous not by how hard you work to be righteous, you were made righteous because Jesus himself took your violation of the law. He took the curse that we deserved. We were born, we were born, born under the curse of sin, under the curse of the law. That's why Galatians says that God himself nailed the curse of the law to the cross so that all of us could be free from it. Jesus is teaching those around them. He's, he's challenging the core of who they are. And when he said that the righteousness needed to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, he must be talking about a different kind of righteousness. He's not saying we should study harder so we can pass our righteousness test or a holiness test. We don't possess it. What Jesus is saying and what the new covenant is all about is he is saying we must allow our hearts to be transformed and changed and cleansed and to be made righteous. We must be made righteous. We can't achieve righteousness. And so we need to understand when Jesus came, he bore in himself every violation of the law that all of us had. He paid that penalty. We need to understand from Genesis 3 
This was God's plan and his idea. We need to understand and glorify the Son. We aren't to, to glorify the law and glorify Moses and glorify the tabernacle and glorify. Friends, we're missing it. Everything about that was to show us that we need something better. And Jesus comes on the scene as the completion of what God was doing all along for all of mankind. Jesus comes on the scene and challenges the core of the very religious institute that they prided themselves at what made them righteous. And he said, all of it is in vain. You're all broken. You're all depraved. But as we read earlier, that's why God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for us. This is the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is good news. And we constantly live within this tension of, oh, I'm not righteous. Listen, you cannot earn righteousness. You never could, you never will. You can't keep your own righteousness. It must mean there's a greater kind of righteousness. And that's the reality of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. We don't, we don't work towards righteousness, but we do live our lives if we put our faith in Jesus Christ from his righteousness. We live from his righteousness. We are positionally righteous. We are functionally at times sinful, but we must understand that our position is righteous. You must know who you are because that will define how you live your life. Most of us are trying to live to achieve something. And Jesus is saying, listen, you need to understand, I'm the one that's gonna make you righteous. And that is your identity. That is your position. That is who you are. You stand before God's throne and he looks at you and he sees the righteousness of Jesus. That's the gospel. It's not about external efforts. It's about God's gift and grace. The righteousness we need can't be achieved. Someone else had to achieve it for us. There's a conversation in, in John chapter 3. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, hey, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. Nicodemus is like, well, that's weird. How's that going to happen? And what Jesus was, was speaking about, about what he was going to go do on the cross, that he was going to make a way so that all those who put their faith in Christ Jesus are born again. You are born in a new position. Before Jesus, you, you were born in the wrong family, born under sin, born with no choice, born violating the law, born. 
But after the work of Jesus, when you put your faith in him, it says that you were born again. Now you are born into the right family, which is the family of God, which means now your position is righteous. This is why Jesus came. This is what we're going to experience as we walk through the new testament, the new covenant. But I want you to hear this, friends. There is one covenant from the beginning. It's a new one. It's not a different one. Jesus didn't introduce a second covenant. It's the same covenant from the Garden of Eden. Everything was working towards this reality of Jesus coming because God loved us. He chose Abraham because he wanted to bring through Abraham the blessing to the world, which is Jesus. This is all about his work and his purpose in our lives. This is why Jesus came. John 1 says, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. This isn't about ethnicity. This isn't about, this isn't about that the, the, the Jews are saved because they're Jews. No, 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 no. Jesus came that all those who put their faith in him would be reborn into his family. But there is a birth now that comes from God. We become righteous through a new birth. That's why all of us, we need to be born again. We need to be born again. In other words, we need to be born from the family of transgressions and sin and born into God's family that we are now holy and righteous. And now how we live our lives is not based off of what family I used to belong to. It now is based off of the righteousness and the position of righteousness that I have because of Jesus. That determines how I live my life. And when I fall short, I don't go back to the other family. I'm still a child of God. When I mess up, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to be in heaven and then, oh, I had a bad thought. I'm out of heaven. And then, oh, wait, no, I'm back in heaven because I repented. Listen, your position is secure. And what determines how we live our lives is about how we see ourselves in God's kingdom. Do you see yourself as filthy and nasty? Do you see yourself as always a failure and falling short and God angry at you all the time? If you believe that lie and you put your faith in Christ, then you will live like that's actually true. But if you see yourself as the righteousness of God, that Jesus paid the price for your sin, that that sin, you are not a slave to it anymore, that you can live righteously and walk righteously. If you determine and fix your eyes on your position in Christ, then you will begin to see yourself walking that out. And the grace of God meets us in that process. We're not perfect, but our position is what determines our footsteps in life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him, meaning Jesus, who had no sin, <laughs> to be sin for us. So that in him, 
when we are in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Blows my mind. So you go, I don't deserve it. You're right. When you fail, and even now, you go, I don't deserve it. You're right. Philippians 3.8 says, I am found, found in him, Christ. I want you, I want you to look at that. Where are you? When, when God looks for you, where does he find you? In Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Friends, we are living under the new covenant of grace. And God wants you to know today He wants you to to stop keeping yourself away from him. Most of us look, when most of us look regarding our righteousness back to the law. Well, let me see how I how I'm doing. We look to the law. Friends, the law cannot make you righteous. But we look. Oh, I did, oh, and I oh. The law can't make you righteous. Instead of looking to the law to define our righteousness, we need to look to Jesus. He defines our righteousness. Yes, we grow, and yes, we read the word, and yes, we say, hey, Lord, help me to submit that area of my life to you, and Lord, I want to live like you want me to live. But you you can't achieve that. You can only live from your position of righteousness. And so you ask God to help you. And we are to ask God to help us. We are to be conformed to his image. Our minds are to be continually transformed. We are justified by Christ before God. We are, it's justified means just as if I have never sinned, I'm justified. But we do continue to be sanctified. But you will never walk in that sanctification until you first recognize your position you, it's stamped, you have it, it's who you are, you are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are. Like, whoa, man, I, I want to live my life in a way that honors that. It brings about a a good repentance and a, Lord, I'm sorry that I've been living from another identity. You've made me righteous. And may I live from that to bring you glory and bring you honor. And when I stumble and fall, may I not somehow think you've pulled your righteousness off of me. I'm clothed in it. That's who you are. Help me to appreciate 
that my position doesn't change. But may I get up and keep being what you called me to be and made me to be. What a gift. And so may the Lord himself break off of you every voice of condemnation that you're not enough. Every voice of condemnation that somehow your past defines your future. May the Lord shatter off of your mind the stronghold and the voices that you hear about you and your mistakes and you're not enough and you're a failure and you're an embarrassment. May you rebuke that in Jesus' name. May today, may you leave here understanding who you are. It's not what happened or what you did. It's who Jesus says you are. That you've been made a child of God. To now live from that identity and walk in it and receive it freely. So as we come to a close, we want to take communion together. Through the month of November, we're going to be taking communion every Sunday. But I also want to encourage you, because I'm going to be doing it in my life, and since you're my family, I think it would be amazing if we did it all together. I want to encourage you to take communion every day. And I want you to rehearse every day the promises that are available to you through Christ. Get into the Word. Look them up. Google the promises of God in Christ. Look, look at the promises of, of God to Abraham because Scripture says that now, if we are in Christ, we're heirs of the promise to Abraham. So we're heirs of all of this incredible stuff. Most of us don't even realize it. But what made that available is the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And so I want you this month, as we prepare for Thanksgiving, as we prepare for the end of the year, I want you to take a piece of bread. It could be a cracker, it could be Oreo, it doesn't matter. All the kids are like, I like communion. This is a good one. <laughs> but I, I, want you to, I want you to take a substance and I want you to stop. Take it with your family. Do it around the dinner table. Have some scriptures out and say, this represents the body of you, Jesus. And I eat it. I'm activating my faith to receive what you've purchased for me. Lord, it says by your stripes I'm healed. Lord, today I receive the healing in my body. I receive the healing of my mind. I receive the healing of my emotions. I receive the healing of a, of, of a heart that's been hurt or betrayed. Or, Lord, I receive it through your body. You, you paid the price so that I could have access to, to fullness. And you just rehearse it. And you eat it. And say, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. And you take the, the cup and we're... We're going to do it in just a moment. I want you to remember, Lord, I want to thank you that I am positionally righteous. I want to thank you that through your blood that I am, I am clean. I don't always act clean, but I'm clean. So, Lord, I, I thank you that through your blood that you have removed the curse of sin, every violation of the law that, that I violated all of it anyway that I'm free from that. 
that I am forgiven from the sin that I've done, the sin that, I, that, that I've recently maybe done. The, and, and, here's, and this is going to challenge some of, some of y'all's minds. And you're also thanking him that his, the cup represents his blood, represents that he's also forgiven you from all sin you will ever do because your position is righteous. I know some of you, immediately you go to, oh, so you're telling people they can sin? No. Because if you actually live from your identity, you will live to please the Father. Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. There are times we're going to fall short. Paul was challenged. So he writes, oh, saying just, I just then, hey, let's just sin even more. If the grace abounds even more. He's like, no, numpty, that's not what I'm saying. I want you to remember what he did for you and stop rehearsing what you did to achieve his attention or love. You did nothing. You didn't deserve it. Rehearse what he did for you. Eat it and drink it and thank him for it. Every day. I'm believing we're going we're gonna to hear testimonies of God healing people's bodies. I believe we're going to hear testimonies of people getting delivered from strongholds, addictions. If you have an addiction, you eat it and say, Lord, thank you that I, I this is an addiction and I, I, I'm, I need you to say, and thank you that you, by what you took in your body, you took it so that I can be free from, from this addiction. And by your faith, put your trust in that and live from that and walk in that. And if you stumble and fall, then you thank God again that, I, that you're righteous. You don't deserve it. But then ask him again, help me, Lord. This is the beauty of the gospel. So this month, let's do this, do this together. Let's spend some time remembering what he did for us in the new covenant. If we can't, let's stand to our feet. We have new cups today. You can take off the bottom cellophane and there's the cracker in there. This one does not taste like styrofoam. If some of you miss it. We do have some uh, packing peanuts in the back you can grab. And so, friends, let's fully understand the benefits of the new covenant. And let's walk in it. Today we have a wafer and some juice. I want you to just look at your wafer just for a moment. This cracker represents the blood. I want you to keep looking at it. Excuse me, represents the body of Jesus. Keep looking at it. And his body was striped, the cat of nine tails, his skin was ripped punishment that you deserved was placed upon what this wafer represents and that's his body so Lord today we remember what you made available to us we receive the benefits of your body God we receive healing in our bodies that you purchased our healing 
And by faith, Lord, we're believing that you're going to meet us here. But God, regardless, you're going to give us a new body anyway. But Lord, we know and believe you do heal today. And so we trust you and trust who you are and your timing and your sovereignty. But Lord, today I pray for your healing over my body, over my mind, over my emotions. Lord, today we put our faith in what you've done for us, by what you took on the cross, by what you embodied in yourself. And I eat to receive by faith everything that you have for me, your provision, your purposes. So let's eat today of the bread. This cup represents the blood of Jesus. And so Lord, today we, we drink this in remembrance of you. We remember that we couldn't earn our righteousness. We remember we couldn't forgive ourselves. We remember. And so when we taste this juice or whatever liquid it is we do this week, we remember that you've cleansed us and made us righteous. So may we drink of this cup that represents your blood. And may we remember by faith and walk in the deliverance of legalism, the deliverance of trying to earn your love and earn your righteousness. We walk free from condemnation and we drink and receive. Jesus' name. Let's let's drink. Lord, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We recognize every day we need you. So may we leave here today with an understanding of our position and our place. And may we not look to the law to check our righteous meter. May we look to you and put our faith in you achieved and paid for and accomplished that which we could not. And so therefore, we're gonna put our faith in what you say about us, not in how we feel. So may we leave here today fresh, new, confident, transformed by your spirit and heart. If anyone here is here today, you do not know Jesus, what a great Sunday to find him. If you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, while our heads are bowed, why don't you just raise your hand right now. If you want to receive cleansing and forgiveness, thank you, bless you. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Several hands. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this is a prayer of putting our faith in what Christ has already done. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I put my faith in you. Put my faith in your righteousness. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were buried in my place. And I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe that you are alive. And I believe that you're coming back. But today, I receive forgiveness. I ask you to cleanse my heart and make me new. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on.